When you feel a spark inside about something, an unsatiated curiosity, it's one of the simplest joys of life and you have to follow that. For me, that was winemaking and grape growing. It allowed me to be a creator in collaboration with nature, and that is incredible. This podcast is meant to explore that curiosity, to learn, to teach, and to connect with those who create and contribute to this fascinating process. Welcome to The Punchdown. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into The Punchdown. So today I have Mackenzie Brisbaugh on the show. Mackenzie is the winemaker and vineyard manager at Trail Estate Winery in Prince Edward County, Ontario. Mackenzie is for sure a trailblazer in minimalist winemaking. We talk about what it means to be a minimal intervention winemaker, how to carve your own path in the industry, respecting your terroir and understanding the grower's perspective. She touches on her journey in the industry, including her belief of leaving gender out of the conversation. Learn about some cool new projects that trail has on the go including a wine forest and hear how she relates harvest to drinking i've never heard it phrased in such a way but it just makes perfect sense i love what mackenzie's bringing to the industry she's one of my favorite winemakers so grab a glass of her wine and enjoy the show mackenzie welcome to the show thanks so much for joining me how's it going today it's going pretty great today <laughs> awesome um a first order of business i usually like to ask what you're, what you're drinking, what's in your glass. Normally I record in the evening. So, uh, but hey, no judgment. If you got something going on over there, uh, let me know. I've got four things on the go at the moment and <laughs> none of them are wine. I've got coffee, water, uh, like little like turmeric, ginger, lemon juice, orange juice shot kind of thing. And I have a sparkling, a sparkling water. I don't nice. know why I have so many things on the go, but options. I didn't, I didn't want to be thirsty. Yeah, you never want that, right? <laughs> or tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with a coffee today, so. <laughs> okay. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, where are you from? What do you do? So I'm, uh, I'm from Prince Edward County. Um, I grew up here and uh, was pleased that the wine industry developed here. Um, because, uh, I mean, it's such a lovely area and I'm the winemaker and the vineyard manager at Trail Estate. Um, so look after all aspects of, um, of the winery. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the wine industry? So I actually started, uh, just really through enjoying wine, mm -hmm. um, when I was at university, I studied biology and English, and one of the electives I could take was a wine course. Oh, cool. Uh, so it was really fun just to learn a little bit about wine, and it was right around, it was in, oh, I can't remember, maybe 2006, when the industry here was just kind of like, just, just getting going, really. Mm -hmm. And um, so it just, I worked a summer job in the county and took that course, and then later on, went back to school to Niagara College for the winemaking program there. Gotcha. Awesome. And how long would you say you've been in the industry? Or I guess the more common question is how many harvests do you have under your belt? Uh, so I've worked 16 harvests. Nice. This will be my 17th. Um, and a couple of those were like I did three harvests in one year. So, yep. um, but I went back to school for wine in, in 08. Okay, awesome. Where'd you do the international yeah. harvests? Or the three in one year? Um, I worked in South Africa and New Zealand. Right on. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was great. And I met my husband, which was also nice. 
Oh, so. perfect. <laughs> double win. <laughs> yes. So you're the winemaker at Trail. Um, what's your experience like working there? It's really, I have to say, it's pretty, it's pretty great here. Um, I have a lot of free reign. And because we have started making all these kind of crazier styles of wine, I have the expectation really to make them, which can be a little exhausting, but um, it makes, I can, I can pretty much make small batches of anything I want. Um, so if I see something cool and I want to try it, I can do that. Um, and I also don't like to waste things. So for example, today we're pressing some green harvested Pinot Noir and I'll see what I can make out of that. Um, and then I also have kind of um, the classic program that I like the ones that I really love drinking like Cabernet Franc and Chardonnay and like really single vineyard um, pure expression wines. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's great. I get pulled in a lot of different directions all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very dynamic. <laughs> yeah, to say the least, right? All over the place. Um, I could probably use a little bit more structure uh, right now, but uh, yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a good job because it's just, it's so creative all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going back to what you said about it being dynamic and being pulled in different directions, um, I did want to touch on the fact that you also do the vineyard management too. So that's impressive because when someone's doing both the winemaking and the vineyard management, it's a heavy workload. It's all year round, right? There's very little downtime. Um, so, but do you think that having done the vineyard side, it makes you a little bit of a better winemaker because you get to see you know, you get to know your vineyard and your site so well. Has that helped? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and it also helps to know what actually happens when you're growing grapes. Like there's, you know, there's the a heavy marketing uh, or a heavy like um, trend right now into organics and biodynamics, but actually knowing what that means, there's not that many, there's lots of people that know what it means, but um, that there's uh, each region has its specific challenges and just knowing fully what like what happens in a spray program, the realities of the diseases of powdery mildew, downy mildew. I mean, you're very familiar with these, um, but how they how they actually work and what the challenges are in terms of getting the grapes to a certain point. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think a lot of winemakers, they just they're they have numbers set. They know what they want. And they go in and they, it's really like stick it to the grower sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, whereas knowing how things work from the grower's perspective, uh, I'm much more flexible with choosing parameters for harvest because I can, I just don't, I don't want to have a hard line and get and um, not use fruit. I want to make that fruit from that specific vintage into something depending on what the grower gives me. So mm -hmm. it's, it makes things, I think it, it's a more um, realistic way of using fruit, getting yeah. fruit and making wines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it stays respectful to the terroir and to what you're given as well. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. And our years, our shifts in years are so, so different. Mm -hmm. um, like 2020 to 2021 was like night and day differences in harvest with one being really hot and one being really rainy mm -hmm. and um, knowing what you what you do as a grower and then uh, what to expect as the winemaker is very handy to have in your back pocket. 
Definitely. And how do you find you balance the two, the winemaking and the viticultural side? I love the chuckle. <laughs> I I mean, right now I feel like I am not doing anything great. Um, like just pulled in so many different directions mm -hmm. uh, between even just like work and home and vineyard mm -hmm. and winery. And I really struggle with the vineyard because it's farming it's full time all the time so like you want to take time off in the summer because you know harvest is coming mm -hmm. but then like I'll book vacation and I'll end up working you know you're just working and monitoring the weather and you, you're always you're always doing stuff so I don't know it's uh like an ongoing battle or an ongoing like tug of war really work in progress yeah do you find one more challenging than the other or is it just like dependent on the vintage? Uh, I mean, I think some of the vineyard stuff is more challenging um, just because like I didn't grow up with tractors mm -hmm. and uh, farming is really like equipment breaking and troubleshooting and like trellising materials. And like, you really have to uh, think outside of your textbook learning. Uh, and I was really into like, I. I liked studying, um, so just becoming more handy. But I mean, in the vineyard, it's tractors, but in the winery, there's tons of stuff you have to be handy with, like pumps and all that. I really struggle with that stuff. Just you have to start somewhere learning. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of, um, I don't know, I think maybe just being a woman in the industry and farming as well, like a lot of people talk down to you. And so it's difficult mm -hmm. to get people to actually teach you things um, and to take you seriously at the beginning. Um, I think once you get to a certain point there and they, you develop relationships with people, um, but initially it can be challenging to break, just get people to talk to you and yeah, not just dismiss you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point and a good conversation to be had for sure. Um, okay, so during harvest, it's a lot of hours. How do you stay sane working all those hours? <laughs> I think there's always a part of crazy to all winemakers and harvests and like you kind of like get uh there's adrenaline and it's just really exciting so you're like you're like um flapping your wings like if you're a dragonfly right you're just like <laughs> crazy right you're all over the place um and so you really get in sucked into that and you kind of like dive in but I mean you I, I always you always end up getting burnt out at the end of harvest mm -hmm. It's Always really right. like, you're just, it's too much. And it's kind of the amazing part about wine is like, you know, you really drink a lot sometimes and like, you're like, oh, like it was really fun, but now I feel awful. <laughs> 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 it's kind of that thing. Like it's hedonistic, right? You're like, oh, I'm so like, I'm so involved in this one thing. I'm so high. I'm so excited. And then like the next day you're like, oh, I'm, you know, you're a little burnt out. So it's fun, but I, so you have to find like, you know, it's fun to do that sometimes, but if you do that all the time, then you have problems. Mm -hmm. I, I've never heard harvest, uh, <laughs> like being phrased in such a way, but that is just being so drunk. perfect. Yeah. Like, like the high <laughs> of it. And then the next morning, <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> okay. So, um, would you say that you have a winemaking philosophy and this kind of, I guess I'm kind of pulling from your uh, more natural, like you do make some cool different styles of wine. Is that a part of you, a part of your philosophy? I've always really been a minimal intervention winemaker. So um, just trying to make 
make wines that really express where they're coming from and the vintages. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just if I don't have to use anything, don't use anything. Mm -hmm. If I feel like something needs, like for our Chardonnays, I'll add about 30 parts total sulfur. Um, so over the years, I've kind of reduced that the quantities of sulfur I've added just to what I think, what I think it needs, but I don't often make many of my classic wines with no sulfur. Like I like a little bit just to um, keep them stable. So I will add things if I need to, but not like, I, I pretty much am always trying to make like a zero add wine, just, just grapes. Yeah. And, and why do you like that? Uh, <laughs> I've never been asked that question before. It's <laughs> not prepared for it. Um, I really, I just like not, I like being frugal. And like, I'm like kind of a purist at heart. Like I want, you know, I want Chardonnay from that specific block and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to have like all these extra like tannin additives or Lee's additives or like fining agents and filtration where you end up losing so much of your product if you're plate and frame filtering um, and the amount of time that it takes. And whereas you could just... For, for me, I like Chardonnay that is like, it's it's unfiltered, but it should be, um, it clarifies in barrel with time. So I just like the, yeah, the purity, I think. Yeah, I think that's, I totally think so too. Like that's my perspective of you is you go for that purity, you go for like that sort of more terroir driven uh, style. Like you're very respectful of what vineyard it does come from. Um, I think, I don't know if you guys are still doing this at Trail, but I know you are at least uh, labeling some of your wines with the specific vineyard. Like if you got Niagara fruit, it would be from, you would label the vineyard that it came from. So um, yeah, I think that's awesome. And that's similar to my uh, type of winemaking that I like to do too. And I think what's really cool is the fact that you kind of have carved out a bit of a name for yourself in the natural or minimalist style of winemaking which I think is awesome and hard to do. And it's especially hard to find a winery that supports that vision. And you've done that. So for people who are listening, who are also trying to do that, trying to connect with a winery, or they, they have a vision for what they want to do, do you have any advice for how they can do that? Like, how did you get with Trail? How did that kind of all come together? I think I got lucky. Yes, <laughs> because um, the uh, the owners, the Sproul family, had this idea to make small batch and craft wines, mm -hmm. um, but they didn't really have a strict vision of what those wines should be. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a lot of winery owners already have this idea of what they want in their mind, and so the winemaker is hired to deliver that to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a huge portion of trail estate is my, my vision mm -hmm. of what I want the wines to be. Um, obviously they need to sell, like it's still a business. Um, and part of also our winemaking or our packaging is, um, Alex, the owner, he is the graphic designer. So he puts the, the beautiful labels on the, on the wines, which helps to, helps to sell them. So in terms of advice, I mean, I, some of my ideas, I've just started out as like, maybe I can make half a ton or a ton of this and let's just see where it goes. Mm -hmm. 
and then it's either been successful or like some stuff I'm like, oh, I don't really like that or I'll change it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, it is market driven. So what sells, <laughs> what sells is what, what determines what you make. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, it has to be consistent product. If you're CBO, people want the same, sometimes people want the same wines. Uh, whereas for us, we've carved out a small niche where we, people are okay with vintage differences. Like that is what kind of defines us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I think part of, you know, being a winemaker is balancing what you want to do and like wine as art, as your art, and then also what sells, what the winery owners want and how you're positioned in the market as well. So it's, it's always the crux of a winemaker is to kind of balance those two things, right? That's why I make a lot of wine at home so I can make the wine that I want to drink. I make that okay. at home. And then uh, when I was doing it with, uh, you know, professionally, you don't, you do what you have to do, right? Yes. And sometimes you yes. get to do what you want to do as well, which is awesome. So any cool stuff happening at trail right now, obviously you're doing the press today, which sounds pretty interesting, but any other cool stuff going on? Uh, quite a bit. So we, um, we've hired a new woman, Brooke Taylor, and she is uh, setting us up with a compost program and um, some gardens so that we can start planting um, just different products that we can use as foliar fertilizers in the vineyard. Um, and then she's also made us a, like a little wine forest so we can use um, just different um, fruits or herbs in piquette production. So oh, cool. um, once we finish pressing our our grapes, we can put water on them and then we can add different um, items just to make like a like to close the loop essentially like make some new some new stuff um so she's she's started that which is really neat so we're just kind of slowly picking away at um growing growing our own stuff and making our own compost and just getting things more um into that like circular like you produce and use everything we're definitely not there (laughs) hey every little bit getting there (laughs) exactly right that's really cool Oh, what kind of stuff will you be growing in the, the wine garden? A wine forest, I think. Or, sorry, wine it. forest, yeah. Uh, so far, I've got uh, rhubarb, currants, and um, lavender. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and we'll just keep adding to it every year. And um, I'm just learning a little bit about, uh, I've always been such a grape winemaker, and like never in my wines, I never want to add anything other than grapes. <laughs> um, but once we talk about piquette, and like a cider, like I just, I'm, it's way more free. So I don't know. I'll just, um, those are like crazier experiments and we'll see, I don't know, I'll see what they taste like. I like that. I was speaking with Yvonne from Maynad and she's also the winemaker at Creekside mm-hmm. and Queen Samal. Yeah. I was speaking with her and she puts some, uh, I think sage and some other stuff in some of her wines at Maynad. And yeah. I think that's kind of neat. It's nice to see some creativity in the wine industry. You know, we're seeing more like wines and cans and quick to consume and stuff like that. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of room to kind of play around there. So cool that you guys are going to be doing that. I'll stay tuned for sure. Um, okay. So we'll switch gears here a little bit. We'll do some quick fire questions and you can answer them as long or short as you'd like so is there any software that you use or that you'd recommend I use excel nice and uh it's uh like I think my biggest learning has been not to overcomplicate things um it always gets a little like crazy here because like so much of the winemaking is um 
my taste. So that's sometimes difficult to track. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in harvest, uh, I, some, I find I have really good record keeping at the start. And then towards the end, it's like it kind of <laughs> dwindles. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I use Excel all the time. Excel yeah. and Google Drive now. Gotcha. Awesome. And what's your favorite part of the wine industry? I think the eating and drinking. <laughs> eating, drinking, and hanging out with people is fun. The camaraderie. Awesome. Yeah. What's your least favorite part? Um, I think, uh, and it shifts throughout your career, but like, especially at the beginning, you're just like being a woman and being young, you're thought of as less. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly getting like, oh, you're the winemaker. Like, mm-hmm. Surprise. <laughs> like you. Uh, so that kind of stuff where like on the tasting bar, um, especially if you're, as soon as I say I'm the winemaker, it's fine. People mm-hmm. are like, oh, like I can talk to you normally, but if you don't, then they just like kind of dismiss you a lot of the times, which is not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for like, uh, anyone starting out in the industry, it's just like, feels like a little bit of a beat down on your, um, just, it feels like you're being like thought of as less, which is not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, one thing that I really struggle with is the idea that you have to kill yourself to make good wine. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be like, unless you're working all the time, or unless you're putting in all these hours, you're never going to make good wine. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. You need to actually just give the grapes what they need. And then sometimes like if I've learned anything in minimal intervention, winemaking, is sometimes you need to actually step back and you need to give yourself some time to think um, and to record stuff in order to actually go forward and learn from it. So, um, yeah, it's like, you need to look after, you need to look after yourself and then you'll make better wine, I think. Yeah. Genius. I I think there's also a bit of a mentality in the wine industry, like with winemakers, you know, the more you work, you know, you're the better you are. You're like, and Mm. it's almost like that's a conversation that's often had is like, Oh, I haven't had a day off in 35 days or whatever. Right. And, and you, and if you need a day off and you take it, sometimes you even feel guilty. Right. So I think that needs to change for sure. And in some of the conversations I've had while doing this podcast, that's something that has come up a lot is sort of how do we balance still getting everything done effectively but um but still taking downtime too and you know having shorter shifts or having more people on your team whatever needs to be done to maintain good winemaking but also keep that element of safety and, and mental health too in there as well so an interesting point about being looked down on um whether that's being young or new to the industry or a female um have you seen that change like over because you've been in the industry this is your 17th harvest have you seen that change or is it remaining stagnant i don't know i don't i honestly don't know it's not a great answer i don't have an answer (laughs) fair enough yeah still a work in progress right and like it's obvious like there's a long way for especially women to go. And, um, but it's great to see like people like yourself and, and other female winemakers who are making a name for themselves and um, really showing that, you know, there's a zero difference between what, what we can do, right? Like it's, it's, we're just as good as some of the male counterparts out there. And in some cases, if not better, right? Like, especially like trail wines are winning awards all over and you guys are doing like such a great job. So it's evident in that, right? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of conversation to be had around this, but I think there's mm-hmm. no need to look at anyone's gender as a winemaker. Fair enough. Yeah. 
yep. right? Like it doesn't, it actually doesn't matter whether you're whatever, <laughs> you're just, you're a winemaker and uh, like, I don't like when we talk about women bringing different things to the table than men, because it's like every person brings different things to the table. Mm -hmm. um, women certainly have some challenges with, you know, having kids and winemaking, but that's a, again, so that it gets quite complicated. Mm -hmm when we mm -hmm. start talking about it but really we just need to see people as the winemakers and not as their as their gender awesome yeah very well said and okay everybody equally yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> absolutely okay so do you have any favorite grapes that you like to work with i love chardonnay so i just i love growing it i love making it i love drinking it i'm like chardonnay forever love it um, awesome. but i've also i've also really had fun working with muscat because it's such oh, a, yeah. it's like so over the top <laughs> yeah and yeah so many flavors and aromatics so it's been fun to work with that but my my go-to is is always chardonnay that's awesome yeah and chardonnay juice like right out of the press pan is just there's nothing better it's just so pretty and delicious it's one of my faves too um, okay, what's one piece of winery equipment that you couldn't live without? I think I'd go with the forklift. Oh, good one. Yeah. Because I use it, I use it quite a bit. Um, it's, uh, yeah, not killing yourself. It's always good to lift stuff with a forklift. So then yeah. you don't have to hurt yourself. Um, and we, we tip a lot of bins. So we do a lot of stuff with gravity and like, I don't, I don't pump uh, must. Mm -hmm. um, I don't pump grapes. Like I, I always just dump them in, into places. So um, I only press at the liquid stage or I only pump, sorry, pump at the liquid stage. So I use the forklift all the time, stacking mm -hmm. barrels, pallets, all sorts of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I miss, I miss driving the forklift. That was one of my, my favorite things for yes. sure. When I worked at Stratus, we would stack barrels about five high. So, and we had 500 barrels. So, and often the winemaker would be like, I need this barrel. And it'd be like at the back of the stack oh my gosh. and you'd have to, yeah, like unstack hundreds of barrels to get to that one barrel. And so I got a ton of experience on the tow motor and <clears throat> I definitely, wow. I definitely missed that. It was, it's just fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any favorite barrels that you like to work with? Speaking of barrels. So I actually, I, I don't have a lot of experience with different barrels. I pretty much um, have always stuck with mercury. Um, mm -hmm. So they, they make a really consistent um, barrel and like the toasts, I'm really familiar with them. So I just mm -hmm. know them really well and I know how the toasts work. Um, so mostly I stick with them and I like how, especially in their second year, like the, um, the structure they lend to the wine, they like, lend a really nice um, softness to the palate in Chardonnays. Mm -hmm. um, mostly, yeah, I just, I know those barrels really well. So I don't know, I've brought in like a few random barrels here and there, but I just haven't found anything I've been in love with yet. Gotcha. And you spent a little bit of time in BC too, right? I did. Work? I worked in Nanaimo. Okay. And did you do some uh, work with barrels out there as well? I guess what I'm trying to lead to is when you came back to the county and worked in the county, did you find that the barrels that worked here were different than out west? Uh, when I was out west, it was my first year as the winemaker um, mm -hmm. and I was there on a contract. So I was out there for a couple weeks at a time then home. Um, so I didn't get to see those wines through to their bottling. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Uh, so I don't know that I really have enough experience. I did use mercury barrels out there as well, just because I knew what I was working with. Yep. Gotcha. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I need to go back. They need to send you some wine. Taste through their wines again. And yeah. And, uh, and, and see, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Punch downs or pump overs? So mostly I like punch downs. Um, I like the control that you have, like, um, it's just, and it's easy. It's low intervention. There's no electricity. So mostly I stick to punch downs. Um, and then, uh, sometimes at the start of ferment though, or if there's like a problem, I'll pump over. Gotcha. Awesome. And what's one mistake that you've made that you will never make again? I love this question because it's like, it's so cool to hear what people say and we've all done it. And so I'm excited to hear this. Uh, I probably just going too fast on the forklift. Like I missed stacked barrels once and um, one of them full and one of them Mm -hmm. fell off and like it fell against a a stack. And um, luckily I managed to uh, get it back and nothing spilled even, which is kind nice. of, I don't know how that's happened, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that one, another one was, um, just when I was starting out winemaking or like interning, I was pumping over some wine and I had, um, it was just over the top, but I was so tired. And so I turned my pump off and I just like, uh, went to close the valve, but instead on the bottom of the tank, I opened it. So like mm-hmm. wine obviously just came out cause my, my hoses weren't even connected there. So I just like shut it. Um, so just lost a, a little bit of one, but, uh, that was one, like, you're just so tired. And another one was, I started filling a, a bin without the plug in it. So, I mean, Oops. you realize it pretty quickly Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and easily, I haven't knock on wood, haven't made any like huge, huge mistakes ever. So I've seen some, mm, yeah, but, uh, no, I mean, this, uh, misstocking barrel was, was pretty crazy. That's a stress. That's a scary one. Like your heart races, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And sometimes it's just enough to see those mistakes. And then you're like, okay, mental note, not going to do that. <laughs> no, just like, I, if I've learned anything, just take that extra bit of time. Yeah. I, and that's also, it's not, not worth rushing. Yeah. Exactly. And that kind of leads to my next question, which you can use this answer if you'd like, but uh, what kind of advice would you give to a new person starting out in the industry? I mean, like take a bit of extra time is good, but also, uh, I was, I was thinking just don't let anyone yell at you. Oh, good one. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, don't take shit yelling at you because we're in a high stress environment in harvest. Mm -hmm. And I think winemakers, um, constantly get, uh, great accolades and get, you know, people telling them they're so great. And then you, I think make poor choices with your stuff. Mm-hmm. uh and they are people too nice but you also I mean it is it's hard to manage your burnt if you're burnt out and like you're you know cranky sometimes it comes out in bad ways mm-hmm. um but if you're an employee then just being like oh like what are you doing why mm-hmm. are you talking to me this way <laughs> yep awesome that's a great point yeah I love it. and it doesn't have to be like it shouldn't be like a, a big huge thing but like if we just need to yeah get into um slowing things down a little bit and yeah talking talking nicely talking being respectful yeah (laughs) fair enough okay so one of my hopes for this show is that it will help to improve the Canadian wine industry so is there anything that you can think of that would sort of uh, benefit the industry or to help us improve overall that you think we should take note of 
Yeah, for sure. I think just the what we've been talking about is working long hours. So just making sure that we staff ourselves so that we get a bit of a break. Um, I have to say, like, uh, with all of these things that we're talking about, like, it's, I'm, I'm not doing, <laughs> I'm not doing great at balancing things out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just need to try and staff ourselves so that we're not exhausted. And like, especially if you're like a first year intern, and you're being asked to work so much, and you get tired, of course, you're going to make mistakes. And like, it's, mm-hmm. we work around a lot of heavy equipment. Uh, so I think we just need to, as employers, make sure that we staff ourselves so that our employees get some actual downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and also um, try to be, I guess, try and recognize when they're exhausted and when we, yeah, when we need to slow down. Mm-hmm. And be careful what we ask of people, right? Because it can be a lot. Yeah, it's not always easy, though. I mean, it's uh you never, you also sometimes don't know what's going on with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just making sure that we actually give, you know, a, give days off and uh, are aware of how many hours we're asking people to work. Yep. Great answer. That's awesome. So is there anything else you wanted to add or touch on? I don't think so. I'm wondering, well, are you going to be making, are you going to be getting back into the industry making your own wines or? Uh, no rush to do so. I am pretty happy with what I'm doing okay. and uh, make like doing this podcast. I get to talk with uh, like cool people like yourself. I've talked to Dean and Yvonne and Jeff. And so it kind of keeps one foot in for me. Um, it's certainly a passion for me. I miss it. And this will be the first year that I haven't done a harvest in 10 years, I think. So uh, I'll, I'll be itching. So if you need any help, give me a call. <laughs> but <Okay>. um, <laughs> but um, I'm, it's also really refreshing to have taken a step back. And, you know, some of the stuff that we've talked about today, like, I've spent the last year kind of thinking on a lot of this stuff. Um, and yeah, you get a fresher perspective, I think, by being out of the industry for a little bit. So I have no no plans to jump back in uh, right away, um, maybe if ever, um, and but uh, certainly we'll keep doing it for fun on my own. And uh, I don't know, I did, we I planted some grapes on my, with my parents on their property this summer. And, you know, I have a few grapes in my backyard. So it's always going to be a part of me and something that I do. Yeah. But yeah, pr- doing it professionally, it would take um, like a really special winery, I think, to bring me back and a lot of leeway to do what I want to (laughs) do. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining me. I really appreciate the time you took. I know you've got a press to get back to, but quickly before you go, if people want to try your wines or go and visit Trail Estates, where can they find you online? So on our website is the best, best place to go. Uh, trailestate.com awesome or just google it yeah yeah <laughs> just, just google, google trail estate uh <laughs> awesome. and then um our hours do change around as we get into the shoulder season so just always check the uh, check the website um and then we only do pre-booked tastings uh so if you show up at the winery um you will be um offered glasses of wine we just sell glasses of wine or bottles to go um mm-hmm. so that is something that um we changed throughout the pandemic it just makes it way easier to manage um only Mm -hmm. serving wines by the glass um and it's it actually slows people down and they can just hang out and um it's a nice beautiful field it's really relaxing um and then if you're really interested in wine you can pre-book a tasting and it's done um 
usually by Alex or myself, or um, cool. we have now Brooke who's joined us. So it's someone who actually knows about the wines and can get a little bit, like give you a little bit more of an in-depth um, talk. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a so it's a cool winery to yeah, visit. It's cool. Yeah, and, and that's cool if they get some time with you guys too. That's great. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Punchdown. If you enjoyed what you heard, please hit subscribe, tell your friends, and make sure to support a Canadian winery. We'll see you next time.